So this evening, I want to talk to us about, um, I titled it, Learn the Secret Code. Somebody said, Learn the Secret Code. And I gave it a rider, so the rider sort of explains it. Um, receiving the spirit of understanding. Somebody say, Receiving the spirit of understanding. Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5. Say, My son, attend to my what? Attend to my what? He said, Lend your ear to my what? And what will happen? Say, That you may do what? That you may do what? Preserve discretion. And your lips may do what? This sort of, you know, it paints the picture of you have to do something extra if you want to receive or gain understanding. It is not something that comes to you naturally. Am I making sense? It's not something that if you don't do anything about it, it doesn't fall on you the way, you know, like you're going under a mango tree and a ripe mango falls on you. Understanding doesn't happen. Like Wisdom doesn't happen. You have to deliberately do what? Get it. You have to deliberately get it. Just the same way that you just the same way you don't just if you sleep and wake up and you don't do anything, you probably won't have money. Let's say maybe somebody else is working and giving you money. Amen. If you don't have anything anyone to give you money, you probably have to work. And except not in Nigeria, sure. In Nigeria, <laughs> you have what we call wealth without enterprise. <laughs> Amen. You know, but in a normal situation, it doesn't just fall on you. You have to do something. And in doing something, doing something basically means you are creating, you are adapting yourself to a set of discipline. Am I making sense? Whether that discipline is to learn a skill or, you know, go to school. I mean, school is basically about learning a skill. Am I making sense? So whether you're studying medicine or anything, you are literally learning a skill. Or you are making trade. You are using time you know, for a particular purpose that is bringing you a return. Am I making sense? So, my point is that wisdom and understanding is something you have to go outside of your, in quote, comfort zone to get. Am I making sense? So, you have to go, you, you don't just sit down and do nothing and then you receive wisdom and understanding. No. He said, attend to my wisdom. He said, bow your ear to my understanding, say that you may regard discretion and that your lips may do what? May keep knowledge. Absolutely important. If you go to Proverbs 4, the same thing. Hear, you children, the instruction of a father and attend to do what? To know understanding. If you read Proverbs, really, really very good in giving us instructions for righteousness. Absolutely important. Hallelujah. So, but let's go to Matthew 13. I just sort of, let me, you know, throw that in as a background. Matthew 13. A lot of us know Matthew 13 is probably the most popular parable, you know, amongst the, the parables that Jesus gave. And a lot of people have thought about it. And to, today I want us to look at it, you know, um, and just glean a few things. Matthew chapter 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. The story then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, 
And as she sold, some fell by the wayside, some and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Six. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they did what? They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and tongues sprang up and did what? And choked them. But others, somebody say others, fell where? On good ground, and yielded what? A crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, or he who has ears, let him hear. Verse um, 10. And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know what? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not what? So, there are two sets of people <laughs> from this verse. Those who have been given the what? To know the mysteries of the kingdom. And there are those who have not. Now, if, if this is all you read, you might come away with the impression that God was doing selection based on certain criteria that you don't understand. So, you don't know whether you belong to the group of those who have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom or those who have not. And because you can't answer that question, you are likely come to come away with the fact that, well, even though I don't know whether I've been given or not, it is not, in, it is not my responsibility because it is somebody else who is choosing who, who are given and who are not given. Am I making sense? Does that logical reasoning make sense? You know, so you're most likely, you know, you're most likely going to go away with not receiving or accepting responsibility that you can know. If you eventually know, or if you, even if you want to know, you feel that, well, I have to be chosen to know. And it puts you in a passive position where you're not doing anything. Am I making sense? Where you're not doing anything. If, if I am not chosen, then I can't know, no matter what I do. So you are most likely not to do anything about it and probably just wish or pray that you were, you were chosen to know. Amen. But that is not really what the scripture is trying to say. Give us verse 13. You now let's read it a little bit more. Say, therefore I speak to them in what? In parables. Because what? Seeing they do not what? See. And hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Verse 14. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Which says, hearing you will hear and shall not what? Understand and seeing you will see and not what perceive. Verse 15. For the hearts of these people have done what? And their ears are what? Hard of hearing. And their eyes, who closed it? Who closed their eyes? They, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And let they should understand with their hearts and do what? And turn. So it's very clear. The purpose of understanding is to turn. 
what understanding does is to bring you to the place of repentance. Hallelujah. That's what understands. Once you have understanding, it will be strange if you don't turn. <laughs> Am I making sense? Once understanding comes, it will be what? It will be very strange and abnormal if there is no change, if there is no mindset change, if there is no repentance, you know, if there is no um, alignment, you know. So, understanding is that game-changing agency of God that does what? That brings, that changes the heart of people. And that's the purpose of, you know, that, that, that's the place that God wants us to be. And that's the whole purpose of this warfare of the enemy. That, that's the number. number two, is that it is possible to hear and not understand, right? Is that possible? Is that possible? He said, their ears are what? Hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should do what? See with their eyes and hear with their what? Their ears. So you can hear, you can be hearing and not understand. It is it's a very possible um, situation. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are in that kind of situation. It is not that they are not hearing. You know, it is that that hearing is not translating to what? To understanding. Scripture speaks concerning a set of people. He said that they are ever learning but they are not what? They are not coming to the knowledge of the truth. So one way by which they are learning is that they are, they are seeing, they are hearing, but something is blocking it. Something is, that, that process, that chain process is not, is not that result. It's not getting the desired result. Something is aborting that process. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 16, what does it say? He said, but blessed are your eyes for they do what? They see. And your ears for they do what? They hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So there is a third group. The two groups we've been talking about is group one, people who hear and don't understand, right? People who are seeing and they are not perceiving. And the other group who are hearing and having understanding and they are seeing and they are receiving wisdom and because understanding comes, they are changing. Am I making sense? That's the two groups. So, group and to those groups, the ones who are changing, to those who are hearing and understanding, they are the groups that we talked about who have who have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, right? But there's a third group who really, really wish to see what some people are seeing, but they, they were not see, they couldn't see it, and who wished to hear, and they did not what they did not hear. Why? Because it wasn't given to them. Now, the reason why those people most likely want to see and want to hear is because they had they had the heart to translate what they hear or what they see into understanding. Am I making sense? 
the only reason why they desired it is because they saw the treasure in it. The reason why they want to hear it and they want to see it is because they perceive there is a what? There is a treasure in it. We read about them in Hebrews chapter 11 when we said that these people, you know, they set out from the country that they, they, they came out from and they were seeking a better country. Right? And scripture says that, you know, they had no remembrance of this land where they came from. Because if they do, they would have had occasion to return. He said, but now they seek a better, that is an heavenly country. And because of that, God is not ashamed to be called their gods. For they've made themselves strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So there was something they were seeking. There was something they were perceiving. Even though it wasn't given to them, but they wanted to know it. If they had known it and received it, they would have profited with it. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 also says that there were certain groups who even though they walked by faith, they did not receive the promise. Right? But not receiving the promise did not exclude them from being part of the cloud of witnesses. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So God rewarded them based on what? Based on their heart posture. Even though they did not receive the promise. The Bible says that these men obtained a good report by reason of what? Their faith. Hallelujah. No, but we are not concerned about the third group today. We're concerned about the two groups, you know. Remember that what triggered this conversation between Jesus and disciples was disciples asking them a question that, Jesus, why do you speak to them in what? In parables. Now, Jesus spoke to both the disciples and the rest of them in parables, right or wrong? Right or wrong? Jesus did not separate the disciples and say, you stay on this side. Let me speak to the others in parables. Did he do that? No. He spoke to every one of them in parables. But it is the disciples who wanted to understand that came to Jesus and said, I mean, the whole essence of them asking Jesus that question was that they themselves did not understand the parable and they want to understand the parable. Am I making sense? So they say, ah, Jesus, why do you always speak to in parables? Because even we, we don't understand. I mean, and, and, which was why he had to explain the parable to them. They too did not understand. But what separated them from the rest of the crowd is that they came after Jesus to seek understanding. Am I making sense? They did what? They came after Jesus to do what? To seek understanding. Immediately after that service, let's assume it was a service because there was a lot of crowd there. Am I making sense? Immediately after service, they could start thinking about what will, you know, in other cases, because there was time they were thinking about what the crowd will eat. You know, because they've been with Jesus for many days and all that. But this particular time, they wanted to understand what Jesus was saying in those that parable. So they began to ask questions. And therein lies the separation that those who go after understanding receive understanding. Am I making sense? Those who do what? Those who go after understanding, they are the ones who do what? Who receive understanding. 
if you stay in your comfort zone and nothing is happening there is no lifestyle there is no set of discipline around the things of the spirit you will not have understanding the mystery you know i said learning the secret code the secret code of the kingdom is what is going after understanding once your heart is inclined once your heart is set once you are able to set your heart or set your mind to follow after the things of the spirit then you are knocking at the door hallelujah let me quickly read um, this scripture to us Luke chapter 13 verse um, let's read verse 23 very quickly now disciples again asking he said then one said to him well we don't know whether it's disciples he said one said to him Lord are there few who are saved and he said to them verse 24 strive to enter through the what the narrow gate for many I say to you will seek to enter and will not be able when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door and saying Lord Lord open to us he will answer and say to you I do not know you where are you from hallelujah so then you begin to say we ate at your we ate at drank in your presence and you taught in our streets but he will say I tell you I do not know you where are you from depart from me all you workers of iniquity Does, is there a similarity they thought because Jesus was on their streets or because they ate you know they had familiarity they thought that was all that was needed to know him that's why I was saying that I don't know you guys <laughs> it's not enough you know to be I mean all those crowd in Luke chapter 10 I mean battle 13 they would go home and say ah you know imagine Jesus was somewhere in let's say Jesus was in Surulares and then you go there and then and then you go back home you exactly ah, that guy that everybody has been talking of Jesus of Nazareth he was in Surulares today he said what happened he said he said so many things so what did he say he said he gave us a parable I looked at him he's nice fine handsome you know nice air and all that and then you know someone who comes away from that kind of experience assumes he has in quote seen Jesus am I making sense they can say something about him because they've heard him they've seen him they've seen the kind of clothes he wore and they can even share the parable that Jesus shared the only difference is that if you ask them what is the meaning of the parable they didn't wait to hear that part hallelujah so this is what was happening that level of relationship does not translate to knowing God because when you know God is when you have journeyed to a point where what you are knowing or what you are interacting with the light that is coming to you is bringing understanding for you to change that's when God can say, oh, I know you. Oh, I know you. There is intercourse between you and I. There is fellowship between you and I. Because you have journeyed to a point where what is being revealed to you 
is translating to what? A change of heart. It's translating to what? Repentance. It's translating to what? A new you. Hallelujah. So let's go back to that. Let's go back to that Matthew 13. I think I've laid foundation. Um, and in the next maybe 20 minutes, I'll just sort of build on it. Hallelujah. So there are, there are so the level, so there are layers to these things. The, the first layer is that everybody comes into the grand hall, just like we are now. And we're, we're receiving, listening to the word of God and you know, God is speaking to us and we're learning from scriptures, you know. And then there are those who will pick or will receive what they have learned and say, let me go a little bit extra with this. Let me engage it a little bit more and let's see what is going to open up to me and how it's going to make my life better. So after that conversation in Matthew 13, Jesus now explained to them, you know, the parable of the sower. And interestingly, the parable of the sower answered the question that they were asking. Hallelujah. So let's look at that. Let's go to verse. Are we back to Matthew 13? Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand. Somebody should underline that if you have it, you know, and does not understand. What happens? He said the wicked one comes and does what? And snatches away that, I mean, what was sown in the heart. This is he who do what? Who received seed by the wayside. When he was saying the parable, he was saying that the parable, I mean, the person who receives seed by the wayside receives it and then shortly after the foot of men trample on the seed. Am I making, is that what he said? That's what he says, tramples on the seed and it becomes unfruitful. So what is the real issue with the person who has the wayside heart? What's really the issue with it? The issue with it is that because there is lack of understanding, there is no cultivation. You don't cultivate seeds on the wayside, do you? No. If you want to build a farm, what do you? The first thing you do is to demarcate that land area. Am I making sense? If somebody imagine. And imagine um, an unoccupied land. You know, most shortcuts that you see, they are unoccupied lands. They probably belong to somebody else. But because the place is bare, people just create a shortcut through those lands, you know, so that they can get to other places. And as long as that land is not demarcated, people work on it. Now, if you, the owner of the, owner of the land, is now ready to cultivate that land, what is the first thing that you should do? Is to demarcate. So you first of all stop things, people, the feet of men from walking on the land. You create a demarcation. That is the initial response to someone 
who is seeking understanding. When there is no demarcation, you can't access understanding. When there is no devotion, when you can't mark boundaries in your life and say, I want to spend time consistently, consistently engaging God in prayer, by in, in studying of the word, if there is no demarcation, nothing is going to grow. The things of the kingdom is not garbage in, garbage out. Garbage out. Am I making sense? And the enemy is, is comfortable. You know, we say this many times. The enemy is comfortable with... The, I, was reading, um, I was reading a journal recently. Was it a journal or in, in some sort of an article? And the person was saying that whatever you learn and you don't use in... Did he say 12 days or so? If you learn something and you don't practice that thing, you don't engage it within 12 days, you are likely to forget it. And that's why for us in Nigeria, our education system is really struggling because a lot of it is not practical based. You know, I had left secondary school quite a while before I started understanding some of the laws of physics that they taught us. You know, what is actual and reaction are equal and opposite? What, what does it mean? <laughs> if there is no practical demonstration of it, you know, and that is one thing that, you know, we struggle with on this side of, you know, you know, here in Africa, because these things, so because it's not practicalized, you don't see it, you can't capture it within your everyday life. It doesn't make sense to you, and you have probably forgotten but the little you were able to practicalize, even though you learnt it in primary school, it, you probably still remember and you can still apply such principles today. Why? Because you have practicalized it. Am I making sense? That's the way the things of the Spirit is. That's the way the things of the Spirit is. You can be listening, you can be coming every Wednesday and every Sunday it will not produce the desired result if nothing is happening in your life, in your individual life, if there is no devotion to it. Hallelujah. It's just be like water passing over a rock. And that is the very definition of religion. Dead religion, basically. I use the word dead because, you know, there's a way the scripture defines religion in James that is that is a frame of heart that is of the heart no, but when religion is dead it has no fruit it is just a set of things we do that doesn't produce any results nothing is changing in our lives yet we're just doing it so the first level of seeking understanding is what is to create a demarcation for your heart a devotion and you must have a devotional life. I, I, have not, I don't know how you can be an effective Christian without having a devotional life. It is not possible. It is not possible. You must have dedicated time where you engage God in prayer and in the study of the word. It must be consistent. It must be what? It must be consistent. How do you learn a skill? How do you learn a skill? You devote time consistently, a period of time, right? 
maybe six months, maybe four years, depending on what you're learning, you know, consistently, sometimes eight hours a day, you devote to it consistently. That's how you do what? You learn it. We must have a very strong devotional life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that clear? Is that clear? That's the first, somebody said that's the first level. You know, tonight, I am going to, I'm, I'm preaching this parable of the sower to us from the angle and the perspective of layers, not necessarily from the angle of different types of hearts. You can preach this message examining four different types of hearts and that will be absolute truth. Amen. But I just want to preach it from another perspective that I believe God is showing me tonight, which is basically layers and hurdles. Stage one, stage two, stage three, and stage what? Stage four. Amen. So stage one, demarcate the land. Somebody say demarcate the land. Say set it aside. You must set aside time to interact with God. You must. You must set. And the more you are able to do that, the more you are knocking on the door of understanding. The more you are inviting grace for transformation. And you are doing it because you want to know God. You see, the reason why some people that have devotional life and you are still not seeing fruitfulness is because the purpose behind it is not because they want to know God. You know, if some people, if they have problem, you know, that prayer that they, they think they don't have time for, you know, they will pray it. You see many people go on videos when they have problem. What they think they can't do, you know, they will do it. If you tell somebody, fast 40 days, and they say, I don't have time. Once they land in, in a major calamity, they will fast 80 days. So, why? Because now something is chasing them, or they are chasing something. But people do that seldom get to know God. Because the moment they maybe they luckily get what they are looking for, they go back to square one. Bible says that these people draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is what? They, they are not coming towards God because they want to change. They are just coming because they want to collect something. And once they have that thing, they disappear. And the day another calamity jams, they are back again. Or some people, they say, ah, the reason why they are close to God is because they have an advantage they don't want to lose. You know, people are like that. They have advantage. How many of you have seen people who um, they, they were so passionate about God when they didn't have so much money? Right? And then now they have so much money. They didn't, they didn't care in quotes. Let me use the word in quote. They, didn't, they were so free-spirited. They were so adventurous. They can sacrifice, they can go to any length as far as this they in quote had no shame. <laughs> Amen. But once they had a little money, then they began to regulate things. They began to get afraid. Ah, no, we can't be doing the way we used to do before. Because they are afraid of losing what they have. So you see such people, fear is what is now motivating them. Fear is motivating, say, uh, you know, say, uh, let, let's give to God now before, we, uh, what, what do they call it? Before, what's Kokora General in, uh, in, in English? <laughs> before the calamity comes and they lose all the money. So even when they are giving, it's out of fear. It's out of fear. 
their response to God is out of fear. Hallelujah. Those are the people are the what that lacks understanding. The wayside heart. The wayside heart. So much in stage two. So, but he who received the seed on the stony places is he who does what? Who hears the word and does what? And immediately did, did what? Receives it. So this one looks like somebody who has put some measure of cultivation. Am I making sense? He put some what? Some measure of cultivation. In fact, the Bible says he receives it with joy. There is attention. He, 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 be, he wants to, you know, there is a desire for the word. So he receives it, but what happens? Verse 21. Say, yet, what, what is lacking? What is lacking? No roots. Say, but the word has no roots, but endures only what? For a while. Endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise, the word tribulation there, you know, both of it, it can translate to the word pressure. But say pressure. So when pressure arises because of what the word, immediately he does what stumbles. So this guy wants to engage with the word, right? And he receives the word. Seems that someone who planted, I mean, the word receiving means that he planted the word, right? It's not like the wayside that there was no even planting. There was no set, setting aside. There was no demarcation. This one did demarcation. And he planted the word. Probably made small, small heaps. But something was missing. Say, the word he planted, there was no space for the thing to have what? Root in his heart. There was no place for the, for the word to have what? Root in his heart. So the thing got to a place and when the word was demanding more space, the guy said, space not available. <laughs> Hallelujah. The guy said what? Space not available. And sometimes it is the pressure that comes that demands allegiance for the word that proves our allegiance to the word because you don't really know anything unless you have proved you have proven what you know am i making sense if i say i love you if i say i love you the proof that i truly love you is that my action and my heart towards you is still the same even when things are, have gone wrong Am I making sense? True love is not what I feel. You know, everybody say, I love you, I love you today, and you are just looking at two people there, their head, they've just they've, uh, used the word automatic ballet. It's not, <laughs> there is nothing, you know, deeply rooted there. It's just ephemeral stuff, just emotions, you know, it's just lost. What shows that you truly love someone is that even when things are out of place, when things go wrong, when there is pressure, your heart is still there. It's still there. Your actions are still the same. Your focus is still Your estimation of that person is still the same. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that clear? So, you don't really know something until it is tested. So, the guy who receives the word, you know, in a stoning place, tests came for that word. But because the word had... Now, what, what happened? Why is it that the word didn't have roots? Do you know why? It's simple. Because the space he gave the word was not enough. The space it gave the word was not what? Was not enough. Wasn't enough. The word wants to go deep. The word wants to what? The word wants to go deep into the soil of your hearts. That's the, that's the nature of it. It wants to go. The, the word of God is living and active. It is what? Sharper than two-edged sword. Piercing where? Into the dividing asunder of what? That is, that is the trajectory of the word. That's the trajectory of the word. It has to go deep. Give me Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6. As you therefore have what? Received the Lord Jesus. So walk in him. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. And what? And established in the faith. As you have been taught. Note that word. As you have been what? Taught. Abounding in it with what? Thanksgiving. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principle of, or principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10. And you are what? complete in him who is the what the head of all principalities and power in him you also were what circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ verse 12 buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the what walking of God who raised him from the dead verse 13 and you, being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, had he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Verse 14. Having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was what? Contrary to us. And he has what? Taken it out of the way. Having what? Nailed it to the cross. Verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made an open spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So, you know, then goes on. I wanted to read that whole thing in context so that we can see how being rooted and grounded in, in Christ is producing a new understanding. It's producing what? A new understanding. If you go back, go back to that verse six. Quickly, verse six. Verse seven. Yeah, verse eight. So the first thing is that 
once you're getting rooted and grounded in Christ, once your root is going down, what is going to happen is that you are not going to be cheated through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men. Understanding your, 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 your quest for understanding is going to bring you to a point where you are beginning to separate faith and your work with God with issues of tradition and the principles of men. Am I making sense? Once you're seeking understanding, it's going to get to a point where that word is going to begin to challenge any other thing that is not according to the doctrine and the will of God. You're just beginning to get to a point where some things don't add up anymore. Am I making sense? You are not mixing faith with one human perspective. You are not mixing faith with tradition. You are not mixing faith with one, you know, philosophies and tradition of men. Basic principles of this world. There are people today who are whose their allegiance to faith is what they can get from the world. The reason, you know, they are in, they are, they are hope. Their hope of following Christ, of praying, of engaging this Holy Spirit is because they see God as they see the equip, equipping of the Spirit as a means to receive the things of this world. Their relationship with the Holy Spirit is to give them ideas on how to make money. That is where that relationship ends. You know, is insight about how to receive ideas and outwit the competition now god gives ideas amen god gives strategy in fact if you are truly working with god you will see the flow of the spirit in everything you do including your business but there will be something more am i making sense that will not be where the boss stops for you in fact it will basically be a byproduct you know what a byproduct is a byproduct is not the real product you want to produce. It's just one of the jars. You can literally throw it away if you don't need it. Some of us, you know, and that's one thing I like about refining, uh, petroleum refinery. There are, I think, over 15 products you can get from the crude oil. And they have so many uses. But the one that is in most demand is, is petrol. But that's not the only product. You get paraffin, you know, that what they use for your cream. You know, and so there are so many things, byproducts in quotes, which you can make so much money from. But the real thing you are after is what? Is the PMS. So it's possible that, yeah, you get some of these things by the help of the Spirit, by spiritual insight, by being discerning, or by being wise spiritually. But that is not the goal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in your quest for understanding, you will come to that bus stop where there has to be a demarcation. Where there has to be a resolving of identity. You see, if you read this thing all down, you, it, these are issues of identity. You know, say lest anyone cheats you through philosophies and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ, verse 9. He said, for in him. So he began to speak to you, began to speak to you concerning, you know, your identity in him. Verse 10. 
He said, for you are complete in Christ. You are not lacking nothing. You, you, you know, your identity in Christ is, 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 has been concluded as far as God is concerned. And Christ is the head of all principalities and power. Verse, verse, verse 11. He said, in him you were what? Circumcised with the circumcision not made with what? Or made without hands. By the what? The putting off of the body of sins of the flesh. By circumcision. These are things that begins to happen to you. The reality of them begins to happen in your life when you begin to seek understanding. You are going to come to a junction where this thing is going to stare you in the face. And you are going to say, no, I am crucified with Christ. I have been circumcised. Pressure comes. And you are choosing the word. Because of what? You have made room for the word. The word has now gotten to the level where it is translating to identity. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The word of God is translated to what? Identity. Something is happening inside of you that you are waging war with. So when pressure comes on account of the word, there is a root. Why? Because you have taken the word and you have made it what you should walk by. You know, he said in verse 5, as therefore you have received Christ. So do what? He says, so walk in it. So you have, you have put it before your face. It has become a guiding light to you. So, you, when you read the scriptures and you receive an instruction from the scriptures, you want to obey it. You are asking God, Lord, give me strength to obey this word. Give me strength. Give me grace to walk in the light of this instruction you have given me. And then that becomes your prayer. What are you doing? You are making room for the world to have roots. You are making room for the world to do what? To have roots. If fear is an issue, you are receiving the word that said fear not. And you are drilling into your soul, you know, with that word. He said, God has not given me a spirit of fear. You are not saying, you are, you are, you are not abandoning. You, you don't say, oh, I'm normal, everything is fine. And ignoring that issue of fear. No. You are responding and you are attacking it. Why? Because you want to create room so that the world can have roots. Hallelujah. Because what has happened is that the stony heart is that it's a heart that you have to, you know, what does Hosea say? Hosea says, break up the fallow ground. It's time to do what? To seek the Lord. You have to break up. There is a hardness of the heart that you have to engage. And there are some of us that we have this issue. In fact, to some degree, all of us do. Because we are made in certain frames that is not easy for us to you know, undo. It's not easy for us to change. Why? Because we are so used to it. But you must identify those that are beginning to say, no, this is not me. This is not who I am. I can't be comfortable with this. I'm going to engage it by the word. Hallelujah. Go back to that Matthew 13 and let's see the third Somebody said third stage. Is the stage where the word fell among what? Tons. Somebody said tons. And Bible said that good. He said now he who receives the seed among the tons is he who 
hears the word. And the word, yes, cares of the word. Next one, deceitfulness of riches. Do what? Choke the word. And he becomes what? You know why this one is different from the stony heart? Do you know why this one is different from the stony heart? Is that this one has there is soil inside this heart. Because where the thorns are growing is the same soil. Am I making sense? Where this where the soil got, you know, where the thorns got capacity is from the same soil. If you plant these thorns on the stony, the stony land, it will not have root also. Am I making sense? So its, it's own root too will not be able to do what? To go down. So this one, but this one, there is plenty soil. Maybe he has, you know, broken up the fallow ground, there is plenty soil. But the problem now is that other things have grown also with that seed. And what does it say? And he who hears, you see, and the cares of, and those, just mention those tongues. They are the what? The cares of this world. And the what? And the deceitfulness of what? Of riches. Now, the cares of this world looks legitimate. Amen? It looks like legitimate things. The one that is very clear to your eyes is the deep because the word scripture uses deceitfulness. It didn't say riches. It says what? Deceitfulness of it. That there is a deceitfulness that comes with it. Now, the word choke the word is a very important word. What it means is trample. What it means is what? To choke is what? To snuff out life from something. So this looks like this looks like somebody that is on his way towards something and then they introduced an ambush or a trap in order to stop the person from advancing. So this is where the idea of stages came from. Amen. So at this level, what is happening is that some other things are getting attention. There is room for this person already. He has created room. He has created space. But that heart that has that seed, other things are now entering it. Am I making sense? And weeds, somebody say weeds, grow on fertile soil. Weeds also grow on fertile soil. There are some soils that even weed will not grow. Don't bother. Even the time will not bother those people. <laughs> but there are some soil that there is capacity, there is potential. Weeds begin to do what? Begin to grow there. Now, what this means is that when the world, when it gets to a stage in our lives and the world is gaining roots, you know, we've passed the second stage now, the stony stage, the world has gained root now, you know. And then it seems as if things that are legitimately demanding our attention, they are demanding it to the degree that there is no attention given to the things of the Spirit anymore. Do we understand? That's the problem. 
legitimate things are now demanding attention. And it is demanding attention to the what? The degree. Now, that is where the deceitfulness of which it comes. Because the deceitfulness of which it comes is that you give it everything. It is in giving it everything that you get the reward. So, you want to go all the way without giving room for any other thing. That's the way the system of this world is built. It's built in such a way that you are completely focused, you are, you are just chasing, in quote, life. And there is no space. There is, there, there is even no space for family. And when I mean space, I don't only mean time. I mean value. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not just talking about time. I mean what? Value. There are people today, when there is a choice to be made between work and their family, there is no question. They make it's 100% work. Am I making sense? When there is anything that they bring against the source of their life, the source of their, whether it's a wealth or money, anything that comes, you know, in contact with or anything that, anything that is at variance with that, that thing goes. It doesn't matter whether it's their child, it doesn't matter whether it's the children, it doesn't matter whether it's their commitment to God, it goes out of the door. That is the deceitfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's that it gets to a point where the pressure of the things of this life, the cares of this life, completely snuffs out the quest for the kingdom. Completely snuffs out what? Hunger and righteousness. Completely snuffs out hunger and thirst for righteousness. The identity is now in the means of this. The, the identity is in what they have. So they always want to have more. Am I making sense? Those people, if God tells them, don't take this opportunity, they will never, they will, they will not obey God. Because it has, they have become deceived by riches. And then the other thing is now that they are now, they've now gotten to a point where they think they order their own steps. Am I making sense? I, I hope I'm breaking these things down enough. I, I, I feel that. Am I, am, I, am I breaking down enough? This is not that you get to a point where you feel that you are the one. It is up to you. Only your skill, only your hustling, only by which in quote you hammer. Even though previously, before you get to that point, you have consistently seen the hand of God in your life. That's why people can't walk away from an unrighteous advantage. Am I making sense? Is an, you know, they say, can you change this thing in your office and then you get this windfall of money? When you are deceived by riches, you will not have capacity to say no to those things. The fantasies and the ambitions of what you want to become and what you want to get will be so grand in your heart that there will be no space for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But 
what the reverse is the order of the kingdom in the kingdom the only thing that should fill up the whole space is the tree of righteousness what should fill up our ground is the what is the tree of righteousness what should occupy almost all the space is the righteousness and whatever God doesn't give space to in your heart that thing doesn't have space am I making sense whatever doesn't whatever the kingdom doesn't allow is disallowed is the absolute reverse that God wants us to have to experience so if anything wants to come through into your heart it must come through the door of the world am I making sense so it is the world that is choking the tongues am I making sense so you can even hear something you know it's like music if you say you don't want to listen to a specific music for example in your house you can be inside bus and you will hear it <laughs> amen or you can be walking on the street and you will what and you will hear it that is sowing hallelujah but if the word has filled everywhere what is going to happen that word is one that will choke that seed that evil seed and snuffed it out so it is the reverse that God wants us to experience where the world becomes so huge in our lives it is choking out everything else am I making sense am I making sense so but it comes from that quest for understanding engaging the world planting it putting it in our hearts giving it room to grow giving it room to grow you know elevating it to a point where it begins to decide what comes to your heart and what does not come to your heart and that is the story of the good land the fourth kind of heart where the world fell onto a good land and what happens to it the Bible says it brought forth what fruit because the tree has not grown his root is deep down. Amen. It has snuffed out all the thorns. There is room for it to expand and is able to bring forth fruit 30 fold, 60 fold, and what? 100 fold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that point of fruitfulness, that point of fruitfulness is the fruit of repentance amen is the fruit of what it's the fruit of repentance it's the fruit of repentance you know that point where scripture says earlier in this verse that when we have understanding we do what we turn that's where God wants that, that's fruitfulness that turning is fruitfulness that change is fruitfulness you know that lifestyle change is what? It's fruitfulness. Suddenly, this is the, your opinion of your heart. Suddenly, God has eroded that and he has put another one. That's fruitfulness. Amen. That's fruitfulness. Before, before somebody talks to you, you have said 10. Suddenly now, the person is talking to you and the boiling that you used to feel, you are not even feeling it anymore. What has happened? The world has gained the roots. And it's now what is producing fruit. That's fruitfulness. 
That's fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is that you have set out, you want to, you know, you're going to set time out. When you get home between 10 and 12, you want to stay in God's presence. And that day, you know, it was as if the enemy whispered to your boss and they piled work. <laughs> so much work. But you're on your way home. Now you are leaving the house at 9. I mean, you are leaving your office at 9 p.m. Your heart is panting. Am I making sense? You know, even though you can't get to the house at 10, in the bus, you're already in the mood. You're already... There, there is an atmosphere of your mind. You probably plugged earphones in your mind and you are listening to what? That is fruitfulness right there. The opposite of that is that you are, you are lackadaisical about it. You are giving excuses. You know, you can do that. You can, ah, you know, it's my boss. It's, and today, and I said, I will, I will have God. I will wait on God today. But, you know, it has happened. That happened. Mm -mm. You are not, if that is your reaction, you are not yet fruitful. You are still being deceived. But when you take it up as an issue of warfare, and you are saying, no matter what, I'm going to. Let's even assume that you got home. Let's say you got home 11, 10.30, and you prayed till 11, and you slept off. You are still fruitful. <laughs> Amen. You are still fruitful. That's still 30-fold. Amen. You are still fruitful. Maybe next time, you realize that, ah, once you are tired now, you should not kneel down by your bedside. <laughs> Amen. Otherwise, it is year three. So you do, I mean, some of us do it for the things of the world. Imagine you're reading for your exam and you want to sleep. How many of you put your leg inside water while studying for exam? I mean, yeah, that is you disciplining your body for what, for a goal you want to get. Understanding will make those fruits to come out from us. Understanding will bring us to the place of discipline. Understanding will bring us to the place of discipline. So we realize that the word is the treasure and we should go all out for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you receive understanding, what have you done? You have received the mystery of the kingdom. You have learned the secret code. Suddenly your life is completely different. Grace is abounding. You are abounding in peace and joy. Hallelujah. Things that trouble the world are no longer troubling you. Why? Because you have a secret code. Hallelujah. Psalm 46 becomes your reality. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not be moved. So things that move people don't move you. Hallelujah. You are not driven by fear. You are not driven by, you know, what people think. You are not driven by anything. It doesn't matter what's going on. You are solid. Why? Because you have come to the place of what? Understanding. Are we blessed tonight? Let's just pray and ask God for mercy. You know, let's pray that God will give us understanding. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we pray for our understanding. 